Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, all therefore whatsoever they bid they bid you observe that observe and do but do not ye after their works for they say and do not for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on the men's shoulders but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their uh, phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called, Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. Call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Let us unite together in prayer. Lord God, we are your children this morning. We're here from many different backgrounds, many different problems, but we all belong to you and we belong to each other. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one sins, we all sin. When one is joyful, we all are joyful. Whatever that is that causes us to be Christian causes us to act like Christ. So we lift up this morning, particularly Greg in our prayers, as he faces a very difficult time in his young life. We lift up the entire family as they face these trying times. Lord, may our concerns and our prayers and our efforts be expended in Greg's behalf, most particularly at this time in his life. Now, Lord, as we look into your word, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to understand what you've told us. We might grow as Christian people through the efforts of your word. This we pray through Christ our Redeemer. Amen. I'm entitling the message this morning, False Leadership, which is the third and the last one that I prepared some uh, for this series some time ago. I prepared them and are in this 
particular time frame in my time of preparation dealing with church leadership. I preached last Sunday morning and last Sunday night on that general subject, and I want to again this morning, not from James as the last two sermons came from, but from the direct words of our Lord as he recorded them in this 23rd chapter here in Matthew. I know when you were a kid, you, like me, played pretend. We pretended all kinds of things. I pretended to be a general and uh, a, an Indian fighter and a big ball player and all the things such as you probably did, and we now muse at, since we've become adults, at our kids pretending to be all these things, but we haven't outgrown those times of pretending. We still all have our daydreams, our thoughts about what we are that may be somewhat different than reality. And it's not bad that we dream and pretend because out of many of these dreams come great men and great women. It's only when we reduce ourselves to living Nowhere else except in the world of of pretension, or pretending, rather, that we find ourselves in in less than desirable uh, situations and circumstances. But the world is full of people who pretend. And I say that simply to say that the church is as well full of pretenders. There are people in the pulpits across our land that are pretending to be God's people. God's men in the pulpit who are not at all. God never put them there. There are people who take positions of deacons or Sunday school teachers or various other leaders in the church who were really not put there at all by God, but were put there by man, and they are pretending to speak perhaps for God or in his behalf, and they're not doing a very good job of it because God has not perhaps selected them for that given task. On the other hand, there are people who do not assume positions of leadership, that God has really tapped on the shoulder and said, I want you to do whatever it might have been, and man has said, I can't do that, I'm not going to do that, I don't feel like that I'm the person for it, and avoid and put aside oftentimes some responsibilities that God would would place upon them. But we are speaking primarily of this morning of false leadership, those who who are in positions who do not uh, who ought not be there and and perceive themselves as being different than perhaps God perceives them to be. Moses ran into some of these in Egypt when he ran into magicians who said that they were spiritual leaders and could do mighty things. Ezekiel ran into them on top of Mount Carmel when there were 400 men who claimed to speak for a God that didn't even exist. Jesus warned that there would come after he left many people claiming to be Christ. It doesn't take us long to read the newspapers until we see some little article about somebody somewhere who says that he is Christ. They seem to congregate on the West Coast, mostly, and there are lots of them out there who are claiming to be Jesus Christ. 
Paul said in Acts, in the 20th chapter we have the words, that grievous wolves would enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And that's true. We have undergone in the past several months in our nation a drastic challenge to our faith by men who have claimed to speak for God, who have gone off the deep end, and you know who those men are. There are cults that are being established, and now the worship of the devil himself is becoming prominent and is attracting particularly young people and others who are not well-founded in the faith, and people are being led astray. And the church has not escaped this influence. Our ranks have been invaded by people who pretend to follow Jesus Christ and do not do it. Who carry their Bibles and offer prayers and become members of churches and assume leaderships in our churches who are nothing more than servants of the devil himself. And sometimes we aid this demonic influence in our churches by acting less than Christians ought to act. But I want us to look at some things that Jesus said this morning about false leaders and, and the things that he would say about them. In the second verse, he says that the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. The word seat, or sometimes referred to in our modern day language as chair, comes from a Greek word, cathedra, from which we get the word cathedral, which means a place of authority. In college, we have various positions called the chair of such and such, the chair of philosophy or the chair of religion and so on, meaning that that person who holds that position is recognized as one of authority and speak somewhat for the college or for the university in that particular position. So the Pharisees and the scribes were sitting in Moses' seat, meaning that they were intending to speak in behalf of Moses, who was given the authority to speak for God in the Old Testament. When Moses spoke, it was God speaking. And the Pharisees and scribes, particularly the Pharisees, but also the scribes, had assumed that they had been placed in a position to speak for God. They were not God-appointed, they were self-appointed. The only way to get into the fold of God, we have learned, is through Jesus Christ. And he said anybody that tries to get into the fold by some other way is a thief and a robber. 
It will not take us long in our searching through our churches to discover people in positions of responsibility who are there for the express purpose of thieving and robbing and do not have any consideration for the flock. That's why I take a very, very dim view of a majority of the television and radio ministries who ask for money. Because I am aware that many times, not always pleased, but many times those men who supposedly are speaking for God go to the post office to open up letters where there are prayer requests and take out the check and put the letter in the wastebasket before they leave the post office. And sitting in the chair that is supposed to speak for God, they are thieving and robbing. We saw that in magnitude when certain members of the leadership of the churches of this country lived in royalty upon the dollars spent, or sent, I should say, and the dollars sent most times through the mail from the poor and oftentimes from widows who did not have it to spare. Self-appointed who believe that they speak and therefore it is the word of God. And I'm not going to particularly point out the individuals. You can use your own judgment and your own thoughts as to what people might be doing things of that nature. I have a lot of serious questions about the supposed ministries in this country that are not tied to our churches. And I think they need to be questioned before we ever support them because we sometimes will find that the purpose behind those ministries is selfish and is not really intended to upgrade the Lord. But he goes on to say in the third verse, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, even though they have usurped their authority, he says, whatever they say observe. In other words, what he's saying is, if it is the word of God, regardless of what mouth it comes out of, it's still the word of God. If the devil speaks the word of God, we should heed his words. But he doesn't stop there. He says, do not do the things that they do. Don't follow them. Yes, follow the Lord, but do not follow them. He is not giving blanket approval here to what, they are, what kind of people they are, but he's saying if they speak the word of God, then listen to it. But don't practice what they practice. Because you see, real Christianity, real faith in God, real belief in God is not what one says, it's what one does. And here's where we have a problem. 
because we're more inclined to listen to what people say than to the type of life they live at times. You've all heard all your life as well as I uh, the relationship between practice and preaching. When we say practice what you preach. Another way of saying it is you preach what you practice. What you really are is what you do, not what you say. Over the 23rd verse, we didn't read that far, he criticizes the Pharisees for tithing. That's a strange thing to do, to criticize somebody for tithing. The Bible teaches tithing. And when the offering plate is passed, uh, some of us tithe and some of us don't tithe, I suppose. But the Bible certainly preaches that, and the Pharisees preached it. But the thing that he criticized the Pharisees for, he said that they tithe, if you look at the 23rd verse, mint and anise and cumin. I don't have any idea what those things are. I've never used them, but I know, I know what they are. They are cooking spices. What is he saying? You tie things that are very insignificant, and you stay away from the real basic problems. You tie mint and anise and cumin, and you have omitted the weightier matters of the law. What were they doing? But they were pretending to be followers of God and at the same time expecting others to be totally obedient to God's word. It was like a lady who told me one time that when she went through one of those toll booths where on your honor you threw in the quarter, she said, I roll down my window, I stick out my arm and go like that. And everybody who might see me thinks I threw the quarter in it and I drive on. That's the way we practice our religion. Oft times, we throw out our arms, pretending that we're doing something when the hand is empty. The purpose behind what we're doing is simply to impress somebody with our magnificence without having any substance to what we're doing. We appear righteous. And sometimes we're rotten to the core. We praise God on the one hand and blast our neighbor on the other. Secondly, or thirdly I guess it is, in verse 4, he goes on to say that they bind heavy burdens and grievous to, to be born. I made reference to that fact and lay them on men's shoulders. They had all kinds of rules and regulations that they were to follow. They required everybody else to do it, but they themselves excused themselves and said, in our case, we don't have to do that. It was against the law to go more than a few hundred yards on the Sabbath day. And so they would say to the congregation, don't you travel any further than that on, on Sabbath then they would say, but in our case, our home happens to be where we put our clothing, and so we'll put some clothing down there, and then we'll travel that much further beyond that. He's talking about false leaders who lack 
in their lives, they lack sympathy for other people. They will lay burdens on others and excuse themselves. That, brethren, is what we do. We lay the burden of responsibility on other people to obey the scriptures and excuse ourselves for not doing it. We teach that we ought not throw stones, but we would be in the crowd who would bring the woman taken in adultery and put her at the feet of Jesus and say to Jesus, the law says she ought to be stoned. What do you think? And we're ready to throw our stones. These are the people who do not look deep into our own lives and see that maybe we have a problem that is as great or greater than the person that we're criticizing. We find these false leaders who lack sympathy for others as the ones who are building an empire for themselves and they don't care about anybody else. And fourthly, in verse 5, we find him talking about false leaders that lack spirituality. The question is, why do you do what you do? There are lots of Christian leaders and Christian people in general who are a part of the church only because it suits their own personal objects, objectivities in life for outward show. I don't know how many of you came this morning for show, to be seen, maybe nobody. But it's certainly very obvious come Easter time that a lot of people come to church for show. It's certainly obvious that we do some of the things we do in order that somebody might say, my, what a marvelous person he or she is that we might get some glory out of what's going on. The Pharisee was one who had no spirituality about his religious life. And there are many Christian people that have little spirituality about their Christian life. Because our motives are wrong. Our motive in doing what we do is to be built up and praised and honored. And unfortunately, they convince us that they're really spiritual. That they're really the leaders of the church. And that they ought to be followed. And gullible people will gather around them like they did Jim Jones. And he dragged them to their death because he presented himself as being spiritual. And some people gathered around him. Bring that down from that particular incident to within any uh, given body called the church. And we will always find those who are pretending to be leaders and are spiritually motivated, who have the bottom line object of simply getting praise out of the whole situation, nothing more. And if we don't praise them and honor them and pat them on the back, they get all out of sorts. These are the false leaders who lack spirituality. 
Then those phylacteries that is mentioned there in verse 5 that I mispronounced when I read the verse the first time, which is a word that I don't know as anybody particularly knows what is. I had to do some research to find out what that means, and it means wearing your religion on your sleeve. You see, the, the Pharisees did that. They wrote Bible verses and they, they sewed them on their sleeves and, and they put them around their forehead and so you could always tell a Pharisee because he's always covered up with Bible. There are many within the modern day church who wear their religion on their sleeves to be seen. To be seen. I tell you, there will never be a religious bumper sticker on my vehicle. And I'll tell you why. I'm not sure I can live up to what the bumper sticker says, for one thing. I might accidentally do it wrong. I told you about the bumper sticker. It said, honk if you love Jesus. And the guy was honking at a fellow at a stoplight. And the guy got out and come back and gave him a tongue ration. And the fellow said, I was just doing what your bumper sticker said. I think it points us fingers at us and puts a responsibility on us that if we are going to advertise our religion on our automobiles and on our clothing, that we'd better be prepared to be spiritual in relationship to what our advertisement says. And I have a fear that I might not be capable of always doing that. Looking religious without any spirituality. And then fifthly, in verses 6 and 7, he talks about false leaders lacking humility. James and John were two guys who wanted to be made Secretary of State and Secretary of the Treasury in Jesus' kingdom. They expect to be recognized and doted over. And then down in verses 8 and 9, he says that true leaders are people that don't have to be given a title. It has always bugged me that when I call a doctor's office and the doctor comes on the phone, he says, this is Dr. Jones, or whatever his name might be. I received a call from a doctor here at the church yesterday. I know him personally. He happens to be my boss. And he didn't say, this is Dr. Stevens. He said, this is Rodney Stevens. And I appreciated it. I said, hello, Rodney. I could have easily said, hello, doctor. Or, hi, doc. And given him the title, my point is, we should give titles to others. We should not give titles to ourselves. call me on the phone every once in a while at the office and say, this is Mr. Smith. Why didn't he say that I'm Jim Smith? Or whatever. The Lord said, do not call people rabbi. For they're referring to the fact that that means master. He says in verse 9, do not call any man your father 
He's not referring to the relationship that we have to, to our earthly father. He's talking about giving a title to somebody, and I do not understand on how on earth it's possible for the Catholic Church to ignore this verse when they call their leader's father. And then it's specifically here because there is only one father. There are other, we can call each other titles, but we should not be putting a title up on ourselves according to what the scripture has to say. Because titles have a tendency to elevate people over others. And I can elevate you, that's all right. But when you elevate yourself over me, I think you've done wrong. Or when I elevate myself over you, I think I've done wrong. We're all equal. We're all God's children. We're all saved by grace. Every one of us. What makes a great leader? One who can present himself as being spiritual when he is not. One who can sell a good bill of goods as some have done, not at all. But Jesus gave us the real example when he, said, when he gave us the, the example of washing the disciples' feet. A real leader is a person who is willing to do the dirtiest menial task for anybody. That's the real leader. Without concern or interest in what kind of glory he might get. People who are not concerned about awards and titles and degrees, but are willing to get in there and work with anybody else in the ditch if that's where it is, in order to accomplish a mutual goal. Jesus said, if you go to a meal... Don't take the top seat. Sit down low. If you're worthy, somebody will bring you up. That's what leadership's all about. People who forget themselves and serve others. Then we have leaders that should be followed. But listen. When you find that person who is out for personal gain, whatever it is, shun him. Stay away from him. Don't follow him. Don't follow him. And don't ever call that guy as a pastor. Don't put that person in the deacon's position. Don't put that person in Sunday school teacher's position or any other leadership. We've got to be sure that the leaders that are in our churches across our land, are deserving of it. And many, many false leaders have led their people down the path that have destroyed churches and that have killed the spirit within the church. And then to the extreme that have taken the lives of multitudes, as Jim Jones did, or destroyed the image of the church, as Jim Baker did. And we feel the effects of it today. Because there were leaders who were not spiritual, but were in it for what they could get out of it. 
Well, spoken three sermons on leadership, and that's going to be the end of it. We're going to talk about the family tonight. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.